Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Are we there yet? We are in the final third of the journey. This is week five. It's only a six-week series. We are pulling into our destination next week. But if you've ever asked the question, and if you've ever been asked the question, you know the answer to this one, are we there yet, is no. Because by asking you know that we have not yet arrived. And yet also, over the last few weeks, we've seen how that when we ask this question of God, he tells you and me affirmatively that yes, we have arrived. There is no waiting for those who are found in Christ Jesus. Salvation begins right now. And last week, we were talking about our weaknesses and our strengths and how sometimes in life, there are things that we just cannot handle on our own. I have them. I know you have them. We just can't do things on our own. And so we look to the strength of God and and we put all of our struggles onto him. We put all of our pain onto him. We put all of our suffering onto him and God can take it. Paul says, when I'm weak, then I am strong because we recognize that true strength comes from God alone. This week, we come to 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we're talking about cheap and generous, and all of a sudden, everybody starts packing up all they have, and they're just running out of the sanctuary because it sounds like it's going to be a stewardship message. It's not. We're talking about the the cheapness and the generousness of God. Because i got to be honest, sometimes it feels like God is real stingy and really cheap. Like I ask for things all the time and God never says yes. Like how many times have I prayed to God, been like, God, I really need you to come through on this one The lions really need to have a great 2018. And he just kind of chuckles and laughs. Why? Why, when I ask God for the things that I want, is he so stingy? Stingy means cheap. It means like I'm going to say no. It means like even though I could do it and I could give you everything you want, I'm not going to. Does that make sense? Ish, I'll work on it with you later. But, but God could do anything. Anything that I ask of God, he could do. So why? Why does he say no? Well, it must be because he's cheap. But does that really, does that really make sense with the God who's been revealed in scriptures? Or is this God who has been revealed in scriptures to be all-powerful, is he generous with everything that he has, especially with the things that we need most? And the things we need most are oftentimes not the things we ask for. At least they're not the things I ask for. At the very end of our reading today, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, Paul tells Timothy, the sins of some people are obvious. 
And in your own head right now, you're thinking about those people and, and you're just nodding your head and you're like, yeah, I know some evil people. He says, the sins before of some people are obvious, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. To which point you might start to get nervous because you're living your life fine and everything is pressed and dressed and you look great and things are together. But will the sins which we hide come to everyone? As we stand before the judgment seat of God, all is revealed. There is nothing hidden. So you and I, even though we are good, we have nothing to bring to the table. The sins of some people are obvious, but our sins, maybe, is another way Paul could say it, appear later. And so also, the good works of some are obvious. But even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Like, and so we, we think about things we do. And I, I want to invite you, as you leave the sanctuary today, I'm not going to be in the back of the sanctuary. Normally, you, you leave the sanctuary and, and you're like, okay, I'm going to walk down and then I'm going to walk around and out. But today, I want you to go through the new family room. So I'm going to be standing at this door instead of that door, and I'm going to have you walk through this new room that we've just created with the generosity of some people that just gave us furniture. The the good works of some people are obvious because they gave us their couches. The good works of other people are hidden because they helped carry the couches. You know, oh, who gave you this couch? Well, I can tell you because it's a clear answer. But will you ask the same question? Who helped you carry this heavy couch into the church? Probably not, unless I just asked you. You know, and so we ask, what is obvious in our lives? Is the sin that you struggle with and that you look in the mirror and and weighs you down, is it obvious? Sometimes the answer is yes. I mean, at least it's obvious to you and to God, but we do a good job of hiding it from other people. Are the good works in your lives obvious? Are they walking before you? And, and if they're not, is that okay? Is it okay to struggle with God and to struggle with what he would tell you to do? I think the answer to that question is yes, it is okay to struggle. Martin Luther says it this way. He says, look at Christ. His disciples often slipped and he bore it. And so as we're walking and we slip and we fall and we fail and we sin and we fall down over and over again, Christ has borne it on the cross. We do not re-crucify him. We don't make him go to the cross over and over again. He has already taken everything on him. In Mark 6, Jesus is kind of running away from the crowds. They had been following him. Thousands and thousands of people following Jesus to wherever he went. And so he and his disciples got 
in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and went to the other shore. But these people were so crazy about Jesus and following him, they ran ahead of him and made it to the shore before the boat did. And and in the Sea of Galilee, when I was a little kid, I didn't understand how big the Sea of Galilee was because I grew up in Michigan. And we have these lakes that are giant. And I could never run around Lake Michigan to get to the other side if Jesus has taken the boat. So the Sea of Galilee real small, not big. You could make the run before Jesus makes the boat ride. And he gets to the shore and he sees the people there and all he wants is a break. And you've been there. You just want a break. And, and maybe it's work, maybe it's school, maybe it's your children, it's probably your children. Oh. Oh, I just need, I just need a rest. Please, just leave me alone. But that's not what Jesus does. He went ashore, and he saw the great crowd, and he had compassion on them. It says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. That is not a compliment. Sheep are stupid. And we, are we like these as we follow and chase after Jesus? Are we like sheep without a shepherd? And so he began to teach them many things. And it was growing late. And his disciples, the the 12 closest guys who had been with him in the boat, they start to get worried because the sun is starting to set. And and if these people are here when the sun is down, Lord, we're going to have to feed them. And so they come to Jesus, they say, Jesus, it's time to go. The sun is is getting low. This is a desolate place. Send these people away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus answered them, "Uh, you give them something to eat. And this is not okay, Jesus. Jesus, do you know how many people are here? Like, do your eyes work? It would take 200 days worth of wages to feed them one meal tonight. Shall we, shall we go and, and buy all that? Where would we even go? I mean, the bakery is closed, Jesus. It's not going to feed 200 days worth of, of food. Because there were thousands of people. And and Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. So he says, you give them something to eat. And then he says, go and see what you have. And they come back and they say, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish. I just did the math. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. I mean, any way you do the math, even if we gave people crumbs, like small, tiny crumbs, everybody gets a crumb. Put your hand out, you get a crumb. What are you getting today? We're going to break communion bread into tiny little pieces, and we're going to give you a crumb. Turns out, God still works 
because it's his word that does the work. And so Jesus prays. He gives thanks to what he had been given, or he gives thanks to the Father for what he'd been given. And then he distributes the bread and the fish, and they come back, and they've got baskets full for every disciple to take home. You didn't believe, and so you get to carry your unbelief to the next place. It's a basket full of the leftover bread. And every disciple is just carrying this to the next stop as a reminder of who Jesus is. You know, this is a good work. The disciples listened to Jesus and they did what he asked them to do, but they struggled. They struggled with what Jesus told them to do. And so when we open up our Bibles and we struggle in 2018 to even read the text or to read the text and to do what it says and to take the word of God into our lives, we need not get down on ourselves. We need to confess that to God and ask for his forgiveness because that's what he gives us. And so in our text today, we come to see the cheap and generous aspects of our lives. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 5, Paul is talking about a widow who is left all alone. She is truly a widow. She has no one to take care of her. This is it. She has her hope set on God and continues in prayers all night and all day. She relies only on God. Is this you? Because at times I look and I rely on myself. Or I rely on my parents. Or I rely on my my wife. I rely on my kids. I rely on my job. I rely on my relaxing time. I don't rely only on God. And I need to confess. You know, when we are like this widow, when we see the world as this widow, it can be dangerous. When we are left all alone with no one and nothing to rely on, it can feel like God is cheap Lord, I feel abandoned. I feel like there is no one and nothing for me. Versus seeing God in that moment as generous who gives everything. He doesn't rely. He does not want you or me to rely on anyone or anything other than him. Martin Luther says this widow, she has her hope placed in God. She must take a risk. Nothing remains for her except to trust in God and to pray to him. And she has the same need that we have. We need to rely on God for everything. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, 
and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And one of his brothers had been following him around and didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the savior of the world. And this brother would follow Jesus and just just get so angry, right? Because who are you? We've got the same mom. And then he saw his brother crucified and he saw his brother rise from the dead and he was changed completely. And he would, he would later go and he would write this letter where he kind of interprets and shares with us what Jesus was saying when he said, ask, seek, knock. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. He's telling us, ask for what matters. When you pray, ask for what matters. The Spirit does on your behalf. The Spirit of God who lives in your heart is asking the Father for your eternal blessings. Not something that moth or rust can destroy, but something which will last forever. If we look at God and and see him in the responses that he gives us to our prayers for things which will not last, we will see him as cheap. But if we look at him in the answer that he gives to our greatest need and our greatest prayer. He sacrifices Jesus, his only son, so that you and I can live. I cannot imagine a God more generous than one who gives us his son. In Ephesians 3, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. This is the work that we ask for. Lord, be generous in your mercy forever and ever. Be generous in your love forever and ever. And what is our job as Christians? We reflect God's generosity. And the things that we look to God for the most are the things we reflect We reflect his love, and we love because he first loved us. Paul says, be be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Are we there yet? Man, some days it feels like that answer is no. 
I'm asking for all the wrong things and God is just saying no and no and no. But in Christ Jesus, the the question which matters most of all is answered yes in his death and resurrection which delivers life to you and to me and to all who would believe forever. And so pray with me that, that we would reflect his generosity. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, let us not see you in the answers to the prayers we pray for things we don't need. Let us see you in your generous love and grace and mercy which you deliver to us in Christ Jesus, our salvation now and forever. All this we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.